This is Catalog and Cocktails, presented by Data.World. Hello, everyone. Welcome. It's time for Catalog and Cocktails, presented by Data.World. It's a weekly live hangout, an honest, no BS, non-salesy conversation about enterprise data management with tasty beverages in hand. I'm Tim Gasper, longtime data nerd and product guy at Data.World, joined by Juan. Good afternoon, Tim. I'm Juan Cicada, principal scientist here at Data.World. And Wednesday, middle of the week, towards the end of your day, and it is time to have that honest, no BS discussion about data. And um, I, well, again, favorite day of the week, favorite time. I love this. We've been doing this for 70 plus weeks. I think I have data. Yeah, we have 70 different beverages. Hopefully, I think we've had uh, plus times 240 more than that. So uh, anyway, so today uh, we are going to have a fascinating discussion because it is going to be a live brainstorming discussion. I think we did this Mm -hmm. once uh, when we were talking about kind of creating data teams. And today we're going to have this live discussion with Dora Busius. She is the Director of Enterprise Architecture and Data Strategy at Stryker. I got connected to Dora several months ago through the data mesh community and we i know I, i've heard this story multiple times when it comes to talking to dora you schedule a 30-minute talk a conversation with dora and you end up talking for hours and <laughs> and, and, and that's just a sign of like we, you're super interesting you have so much to say and I, I want people to go hear you so dora it is a pleasure to have you here on our show thank you so much how are you doing dora Hi guys, the pleasure is all mine. It's I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. It's it's great to see you today. Great. Well, tell and toast. So, what are we drinking and what are we toasting for? Uh, okay. So I have to tell you, I'm really not that big of a drinker. Uh, maybe a glass of red wine sometimes, but today, for most people, if you don't know, I'm actually Greek, Greek American. I've been in the states for over 30 years, but I was born and raised in Greece. And today, I thought I'd have a little bit of ouzo. I put a couple of rocks in here just to dilute it. And I'm doing that in memory of my dad. This used to be one of his favorite drinks. So um, that's that's what I'm going with today. <laughs> oh, Uzo. I, 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 uh, I'm, I'm half Colombian and we have something called Aguardiente, which is also kind of like with anise in and you have that same flavor. And it's, a, yes, I think yeah. it's a bit of an acquired taste, but, uh, but I enjoy it. Yeah, it's definitely something that you want to sip on slowly, not anything that you you drink fast. Absolutely. (laughs) How about you, Tim? Uh, I am drinking a Mezcal Negroni. Um, I've been uh, trying to figure out different ways to use up my Mezcal. And so this is a new permutation, uh, which is quite tasty. So um, so and, uh, you know, cheers to, to family and cheers to my mom. Her birthday is this weekend. So looking forward to hanging out with her. Ah, happy birthday right. to your mom. Well, I'm having uh, a passion fruit whiskey sour, but no egg white because I was uh, too busy 10 minutes ago to go crack an egg and get it in there. I don't want to- <laughs> but yeah, no, and, and 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 cheers, I guess, cheers to family. Uh, it's just great to, uh, to to hopefully we're now getting to see more family again. And so cheers to family and, and, and cheers to being here together. So cheers, yeah. everybody. Cheers. And hopefully we're done with the pandemic this year, too. Let's see. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully going to conferences. I think, Dora, we have scheduled to go finally meet at Enterprise Data World. Yes, uh, I'm so excited. So, yeah, we'll yeah for sure. Yeah. 
So we got our warm-up question of the day, which is serious but funny and funny but serious. So how long before we start seeing companies offering a data mesh product? <laughs> nice question. Good question. Uh, how long before we start seeing offering a data mesh product? I think it's already happening. I think there's a lot of hype around data mesh and um the companies uh, offering it, saying that they have a data mass solution, saying they know how to do it, I think we're hearing that already. Now, successful implementing, really understanding consistently too, really understanding what that means, how we do it, that's a different story. Yeah, I, I think I wish we would not be hearing that, but I think we've been starting to hear that yesterday right and there's gonna be oh. more in these products so oh i always say this like call bs like data mesh is not something you can go buy so if somebody's selling you that please run far away from that as fast as you can yes right. i so, couldn't agree with you more yeah i All feel right, like well, i've already been running into a lot of companies that, that are calling themselves either like for the data mesh or you know a data mesh and i was just curious i googled data mesh really quick it's 3.3 billion results now Wow. 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 Is that like a year ago or two years ago, right? So, yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's kick it off with this on, the honest, no BS question. Data mesh, how much of this is actually really new? <laughs> what a great question, Juan. Uh, you know, when I started looking to data mesh, trying to understand it, I've been in the space for a very long time, and I thought that I was looking at concepts and things that we've been talking about for a very long time, maybe just under a different name. So maybe there are some things that are being different, but I think uh, even when I think about the principles, in my view, a lot of the principles like data as a pro you know, data product, maybe we weren't calling it data product, we were calling it something else, or federated data governance. A lot of these things, I think we've heard them before, uh, over the ages actually, just different names. It seems like every so many years, it comes across as, hey, here's something new and great, but it sounds very familiar um, when you actually get into it. I'm not saying there isn't anything, something new in there, but at the core of this, I think we've heard a lot of these things before. I'm actually curious to see what are the what are those specific things that you've that we've seen before, and what were they called or previously? Okay, okay. so here I looked up. I want to make sure them stating the principles uh, correctly. So decentralized ownership and architecture. So to me, that's not a new concept. I know myself, I've been talking about, hey, uh, the ownership, first of all, I don't know that there is one person that can just own a whole data or data domain or data product, right? There are different SMEs that know about this and the data it's in a lot of different places how do we bring it together uh that's where a good sound solid architecture comes into place talking about data as a product that reminds me of things like a semantic logical uh layer of sometimes not sometimes but oftentimes i refer to this as unified business views Others might call it data services, something of data virtualization or data services, right? And that unified business view. So again, to me, that didn't rank very new either. Infrastructure as a platform, uh, I'm not the most expert in this, so I, I can't say much in here, but I think if I even understand exactly what this means in the context of, of data mesh, right? But being able to 
uh, easily extend uh, infrastructure, you know, scale your system. I think that has been around a while as well. But the data governance and being federated, when I was reading a lot about this, the assumption that data governance, how we've been talking about all the all these years, it's talking about centralized data governance. That's a bad implementation of what data governance, uh, uh, you know, a good best practice data governance really um, is. So I don't think that's new either. Uh, when I'm thinking about how we implement data governance, what that operating model looks like, what the framework looks like, in my mind, I never thought, hey, centralized, you got one team that does everything. There's definitely uh, collaboration and working with different folks that have subject matter expertise about the data across your organization. I will talk more about it. But again, to me, that's nothing, that's not new either. So we're seeing a lot of these four pillars of data mesh already being cap encapsulated by other good ideas, other right ways to do things. Um, obviously, we're going to dive into that a little bit more. But mm -hmm. what do you see as maybe is new about data mesh? Is it just is, is there anything new about the way we're combining these things together or the way that we're talking about these things? Um, what is new? What have I? Well, what has uh, what I've noticed is that it's it's a little bit hard to understand sometimes what it is. Here we are two years into it. Um, you know, I've read, I remember, I recall reading a paragraph of one of the uh, the articles on data mesh. And I'm a technical person. I've been 27 years in IT. I've played every role you can think of in IT, right? I can speak techie just as much as I hope, you know, I can speak business speak. But I had to go read it two, three times to even understand what it was saying. So I think there's a little bit of confusion in there. Um, there is a lot of hype about it. So maybe it's new in terms of, hey, we're trying to pull this all together. A lot of the aspects that Data Mesh is talking about, in my mind, has to do with enterprise information architecture or enterprise information management. And I'm not saying that those terms mean the same things to everyone. That's actually something bad really about our industry and the data community, right? We don't have consistent terms what these things mean. So uh, yeah, I think just a lot of confusion with it, Tim. Um, maybe some of the layers around, you know, some of the terms, they're talking about planes, they're talking about some, I'm not sure, sure how new the concepts are too with, around the infrastructure layer. Uh, but at the very core of it, I think a lot of this rings familiar. I, I, I would argue, I mean, I would argue that each kind of pillar independently is not new. I mean, people, I mean, as, as you said, like, well, obviously we would want to be thinking about decentralizing governance. I mean, who's going to go say, let's centralize governance for our entire organization. And that's a great thing. Mm -hmm. Probably not. Right. Mm -hmm. So all these pillars independently have been kind of, are, are not new. I think bringing them together is, um, is I think some of the uniqueness and, and and considering those pillars together, right? There may be some other stuff too, but I think those pillars together, I think that's kind of like, a, what I would argue is that that's probably the, the unique point right now. And figuring out how to put these things together, well, that's where everybody has a bunch of opinions and where are these implementations and stuff. And I think that's where we're just so open right now. Yeah. So honestly, guys, we're no BS talk here, right? And really just, you know, chatting about this. It's, it's good in terms of highlighting some good practices, right? But when I'm thinking about this, um, we haven't done a good job over the years 
we've been very good as to let's go build something right and we haven't taken time over the years how does this come together so if, but if i'm thinking about enterprise information management and especially the architecture how we do it unfortunately at least in my experience a lot of what's happening is overlooking and taking a little bit of time to think okay how do we bring this all together so we're always under the pressure of go build go deliver something go do data engineering do it for this scope so it's true that we haven't talk perhaps much about it or we try to but what has always uh, persevered if you will is the the tendency to just go build stuff and underestimate and overlook the importance and the effort of what it takes to actually look at this end-to-end -end and architect it i know not, not you know creating a whole new hype about it but i know with the folks that i work with people that know me uh, other folks in the community that are deep in architecture and data and information management. I know we've talking about, hey, it's important to really look at this end to end, to find the interdependencies, to find the interconnectedness. How do we bring it together and not to just rush into building things and not consider those end to end impacts? So I think we haven't done a very good job really talking about the importance. And a lot of it is because we just have this tendency of let's go build, we're activating. I think that that is a really, really good point that you're making. And I know that one of the things that I'm really excited about, and I know Juan and I talk about it a lot uh, as well, is the socio part of the socio-technical approach that, that uh, Data Mesh is taking. Um, and it seems like, yes, especially in today's age where technology is advancing quickly, you've got the modern data stack, you've got the shift to the cloud, there's so much technology and tools at our disposal. It seems like now more than ever, the importance of thinking about process, about people, about governance, you know, that terrible word that a lot of people like to avoid, but we know is really important, uh, really starts to come to the fore. Um, and, you know, if you look at things like data as a product, decentralized ownership, federated data governance, there is a theme here of sort of governance and process and sort of the socio part of things. Um, you know, what is your take on sort of how governance applies to these principles here and some of the best practices there? And especially around, you know, this concept of domains and, and thinking about and modeling your domains in your organization, that's not something a lot of people do today. That's not, there's not a lot of enterprise information architecture happening in companies that are taking these modern data stack approaches. Yeah, you're right, Tim. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why, uh, uh, you know, we're trying to highlight it. And if, if Data Mesh is doing one thing, it's highlighting some of these real needs, right? Uh, because we don't have, it's very, first of all, it's a very hard skill set to have to do enterprise information architecture, because not only do you have to have the technical skill set, but you also have to constantly be thinking about what is this meaning business context? And how do I understand agnostic of any one system? If I'm talking, you know, something about customer, let's say something about material, I'm talking about bill of materials. If, if I'm talking about, you know, inventory backwards, whatever the logical data product and data meshes, uh, um, um, you know, speak is, try to understand what does this mean in terms of, from a business context, how do I use it? And not only just in the scope of the project that I'm building at the time, because usually these things come like that, but take a step back and understand end-to-end, who else is going to use it? Who else is going to need it? For what purpose, right? So that we can understand in business context, 
what is it that we really want to know here? What are the relationships in that data? You know, what are those critical data elements? What are the relationships so that we can model it at the logical level, agnostic of any one system, obviously, right? And that information architecture layer, that's what I call enterprise information architecture. You're absolutely right. The skill set, good skill set in that area, it's hard to find. We pay, we've paid a whole lot of attention over the years as to implement the system, and that's going to be my silver bullet. And, you know, we keep falling into that trap for some reason. We kind of learn a lesson that thinking that the technology or thinking that I'm just going to engineer something is going to solve it and not take time to think, how does the fit in the organization, how does it actually help me drive some business outcome? It's not about doing the data engineering. It's not about implementing the system. It's not about writing a data interface. It's more of doing that, but knowing very well that it's going to help us drive something that we understand how it fits in the in in the business. But in order to do that successfully, uh, successfully from the perspective of it will sustain, we'll keep on using it, and it won't break things down. We have to model it with that business context in in play. Um, I have, I, I'll tell you guys, you know, we're talking about information architecture, data architecture. You're right, information architecture, it's not as common as data architecture. Personally, over the years, people that know me too, I've worked with, I've kind of separated between data architecture and information architecture because I wanted to highlight the data architecture. It's more in the about the bits and the bytes and the technology and specific to the system. Information architecture Okay, look at it in context and look at how am I going to use this, not only for what I need right now, but outside of the scope, two, three steps down the process, someone else is going to need to use this. Are we capturing what that need is so that we can model it and we can understand the relationships and how they relate to the business needs correctly, accurately right now? It is a hard skill set. It does take both right and left brain, right? You need to be able to speak with the business to get that context. You need to be able to have the technical expertise and you need to be able to really communicate it well to really influence. It's, it's really shifting, helping to shift culture really. Again, because the tendency of let's go build similar hype with AI, right? As if AI is just going to solve everything. Let's go build AI. Let's go do data mesh. Let's go do whatever the hype, the buzzword of the time is. Not understanding that we got to get back to like the basics. And one of them is how we're going to use this. How is it going to help us overall? Can it sustain for the long term? Can do that without the business understanding and the relationships uh, um, within it. Uh, I mean, hopefully you're seeing my smile and those who are listening, I have a big smile from, from both sides. My, my, my face has a huge smile because I always, what you just said, I articulated as two things. One is that role that you said, right? You have to think with both sides of your brain. That's what I call the knowledge science the knowledge engineering that, that needs to go in. We mm -hmm. so focus on data, 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 but we're not thinking about the knowledge, what you're talking about when you're talking about information here. And I loved how you separated this data architecture versus information architecture. And I've recently been talking more about this from going to a, a data first to a knowledge first world, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, mm -hmm. we're always thinking about 
the data, which is the bits. Let's just put this data in the same place. And you go to the, you create the warehouse to the lake, the lake house, and you're just focusing on bringing the data and you're just focusing thing on the technology aspect. Now, obviously, I, I think we say this always and over and over again. Yes, we need to make sure that we're defining success in terms of the business. But if you're thinking about defining success in the terms of the business, but you still have this mindset of just looking at the data, there is this gap. And that gap, you clearly articulated. It's about understanding the users, understanding the context. How is this going to be used today? How is this going to be used outside of the scope, down the line, so many hops? This isn't something you solve with just more data and more technology. You have to have humans talking to other human beings too. So I think this is the part that that, that is missing right now. And, and I think, as you mentioned too, the data mesh is highlighting these needs. Mm-hmm. The concern I have is that focus people are focusing on the technology, on the data products, on the stuff, and you're not realizing, wait, you need to get the people involved here. There's these new types of roles that we're missing. Yes. So I'm really glad that you're bringing this up because I think – I, 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 I think people are just going to fall in that same trap again. Or like It's just more data and more technology. And we're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again, but just call it data mesh this time. Uh, yeah, thank you, Juan. And, you know, okay, so here's an analogy. It's a silly example we've been using it so many times, but a very simple way to think about it. And what you just said, right, think it, design it in a way that it's sustainable and it can, you know, extend and scale without breaking things. It's kind of like... I want to know if I'm building a ranch or a five-story home, a three-story home, right? How deep my foundation, how strong my foundation, should it support a one-story or a three-story home, right? So a lot of what we're doing, again, it's again that tendency, okay, we're talking about, okay, I want to build the first floor and we're not taking time to understand that, okay, but six months from now, I really want to be able to do this second and third floor on top of it. That's going to change what the blueprint is going to look like. And that's what we are we are underestimating the criticality of this and the impact it has when we skip it and we just go directly to, I know what I want, let me go build it. And just not understanding again that those implications are what that means. Um, and, and there is, I think also this mentality to, oh, that's gonna slow us down. In the end, us building stuff, I mean, 27 years in this space, right? I can't even tell you all the times where we build stuff in six months or 12 months down the road, we're doing workarounds because we didn't think about this. And then the interfaces are talking. And if we go back to data governance, right, a lot of it, especially if we're talking about governance of, of, you know, that master data that it's really, really, we need to to speak the common language there, right? It's... um, uh, you know, we, we're doing all of those uh, um, uh, uh, workarounds, the integrations break, exactly because we haven't thought about, hey, what, what would you need? But also, again, talking about governance and meaning, I was speaking the same language because what the upstream might send to downstream, once it goes live, right, we've seen it, it starts getting used into transactional uh, processes and then it doesn't do what it needs, it breaks. Why? Because we weren't speaking the same language. So I know we're going a little bit more into governance there, but I mean, it's all the same thing of we activate, we go build, and we're just not thinking, is this the right thing? It's really not going to slow us down because when we start doing all of those workarounds, it actually adds a lot more time and cost, I think, and effort, and it creates a spaghetti mass of, of ecosystems out there across our organizations. It's it's not wrong for us to talk about governance, like, uh, and and I know that for a lot of folks they get very scared by that phrase, you know. 
especially if you're a data engineer or an analyst and somebody you're like, what? Somebody who doesn't understand my job is going to like tell me how I should be doing my job. It's like, no, 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 like that's not how it's supposed to work. But like we do need to be thinking about the bigger picture, how we're building resiliency and reuse versus just, you know, what's the fastest way that I can build a pipeline from X to Y? Um, you know, that, that's where we're, we're getting into a lot of trouble, right? Um, yeah, and with data governance, I mean, some aspects of it, what, what you're referring to, Tim, you make me think about, you know, how do we build this that it can be reusable, right? And the architecture of it. Mm -hmm. And then there is the aspect of it in terms of, you know, what I was saying earlier, are we speaking the same language, right? So product hierarchy, right? Okay, if every division does this by themselves and they don't talk to each other eventually you're going to need to bring it together if product hierarchy even if you look at it as a data product let's say in this division but then you don't talk with a different division different business unit however organizations may be structured a different team does it i mean those are very foundational we would need to speak the same language there what are the different layers does every layer you know across divisions look at product at that level at the same uh, way so how do we do that governance for me and successful implementing it in my experience one way i like to refer to it is how do we engage with all of the right stakeholders it's more about engagement and collaboration rather than governance it governance is not thou shall do xyz it's how do we come together how do we engage how do we bring a subject matter expertise understanding hey within business context always how are we using this? For what purpose? I know I'm using it like this, but how are you using it? That's how we're going to understand it, model it, and then govern it in terms of monitoring that the integrity and the quality of that data stays intact, right, through right. operations every day. Um, and if data mesh is highlighting uh, a lot of that, working together, you know, collaborating, then great. We need more understanding around that. Uh I think you're making a lot of really good points here. And I'd love to kind of double click on on some of what you're mentioning, including on things like hierarchies, you know, so just to get really specific and, and give some of our listeners some sort of practical tips here. Um, I, I saw there's a, a YouTube comment here from Pete. He said, um, trying to split enterprise information into domains for data mesh seems akin to the problem of filing emails into folders. There's often too much overlap. How do you think about you know, going and trying to do modeling within an organization, whether it's hierarchies or taxonomies or domain design, um, you know, how, how do you avoid pitfalls there? How do you go about that? And, and where does that fall in the process? Do you do that early when you're implementing governance or does that happen later? I think you do it early. So um, uh, how do you do that? If I think of what I think it's the best practice because it's been proven that it works out there, in my experience anyway, of an operating model around data governance. First of all, the word centralization, making that assumption, I think that's just a false assumption. Uh, I'm thinking of a data governance operating model where we're looking at, and I'm looking at data governance and information architecture almost as being two, coin, two sides of the same coin. Let me explain why. Okay, so first of all, if I just try to put a framework around it, um, and I'll get exactly to what you're saying, Tim. All these things for to happen in organizations, we need to have the buying, we need to have the funding, we need to have the support, right? Because it's only going to go so far if we don't do it. So what I'm thinking about a uh, operating model that I've seen work 
you do need that executive layer, maybe executive steering committee for big things. For example, I was working for a financial services company once. This was about 10 years ago, right? And the kinds of things that we brought at that is, okay, this is a financial services and a different areas in the company that were getting in feeds of like exchange rates and things like that, one from Bloomberg, one from somebody else, right? And they were coming at different times. So we had to make a decision should we go with this provider? Should we? Yes, we wanted to consolidate. But beyond consolidating for one provider, for reasons you can understand, not paying for the same thing twice, things like that, we had to make a decision. Should we go with the one that comes in at 4 p.m. or at 5 p.m.? Because the time at which we get it, it's got this impact even in what we're reporting, cash flows, things like that. That was actually a big decision that the executive leadership needed to weigh in. Other things you can use that executive steering committee for is, you know, getting them to back it up for the funding, for the prioritization at the enterprise level. And one more thing, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So if you think of the executive steering committee, executive body for big things like that up on top, in the center, I'm thinking like a three tier, in the center, I'm thinking something like, okay, that's where you can have like a data governance I'm going to say an architecture office, and I'll explain to you why I'm saying governance and architecture. What happens here is kind of like setting the framework of, okay, how we're going to work together. It's a lot of it. It's facilitation. It's helping, uh, you know, with executive steering committee's guidance, what we prioritize on across the demands of the company, what we're working on, having, uh, you know, the ownership of the operating model, the accountability, and making sure now that at the lower level, this is where you have a lot of the hands-on work, right? So this is where you do have folks like a data governance lead, for example, that help, can help facilitate bringing together systems needs, data needs, right? We're talking about like product hierarchy. We wanted to define this for the organization. And maybe right now, these things are defined in different legacy MDM systems. Maybe they're defined in the ERPs, lack of MDM. And maybe pretend, let's say, we have a company with three business units and everybody's doing it their own way, right? But we want, that should be, it's, it's common data. It could be a KPI, it could be a product hierarchy, whatever. So who are the folks that know what it is, how they're using it in the ERP of this unit? in the ERP of the other unit, different ERPs now, different systems, how they're using it, what purpose, what process they're using it for, right? Bring these folks together. So those are kind of like your data management, your stewards that are very distributed, right? Hence, implementing data governance is not like one team that knows all and does all. You bring these MEs, subject matter experts, they could have the functional expertise, they could have the local system expertise, uh, obviously, you also want to consider things around data privacy, security. You know, you bring the right folks in. A data governance lead can help facilitate, drive the conversation, have the skill to ask the right questions, to also resolve conflicts. Because experience tells me that in a lot of these things, everybody's very used to the way they have done it and have, have them to come together and agree. That's That takes some skill, right? Where the information architect really is a key role here and why they need to be part of the, of the discussion, not only because, as we said, they have the technical skill, but they have the, the, the functional business expertise. What we are agreeing here, what it means and what it should be, I would expect someone in the role of an information architect now to translate that into a model, which is a more technical type of, of a tool 
of our skill, right? And, and that then can drive design at the lower level where we are, you know, doing engineering and writing interfaces and implementing these things. So I said a lot there, <laughs> but do you, is it clear how this is really distributed? Governance is there to facilitate, to bring in some good practices, to make sure that we're keeping on top of it. Lots of SMEs from all the different areas in the organization. Architects turn where I understand what it means into more, you know, into model that we can manage it and maintain it. And that can fit that into more of the build and engineering type of activities. At least that's how I'm thinking of it. And I've seen, I've seen that work, but I can tell you in order for that to work, it takes a whole lot of influencing people's mindset, mindset, changing habits. So the organizational change management is something like this. It's huge. Yeah, it's so not about dictating. It's about facilitating. Facilitating, engaging, showing that you bring value, listening. And, and I think one of the skills that it's also a hard skill to have, but something to always keep in mind, to get these people to work together in these types of roles is understanding enough of the business to try and explain for the person that you're talking to what's in it for them. Why should they let go of what they've been doing for the last 10 years and they're so comfortable? What's in it for them? Because by default, people are not going to be all for, oh, I, I don't care. That's going to be good for the organization. These are my goals. So I want to connect that a little bit with the steering committee guys, right? Because when you have the steering committee that represents uh, at the highest level from across the organization, then you know the top down these folks that are working in the in, in the you know in the distributed teams they have goals that are measurable and they are goals and the top leadership is okay with those goals they're backing up this effort to come together right because they're not going to do it just for the sake of doing it they need to be measured tracked incentivized on those things. There's a lot to unpack here. Let me go. Let me go. I take notes always. Let me go summarize this and see, uh, see if see if I got this and, and I got some comments. So, this is like a three tier operating model. Kind of the top one is this executive sponsorship funding, right? The support. They're involved for the big decisions, right? Cool. That's it. Then you have the center model, which is call it governance, architecture, group, whatever, but they're they are there to facilitate. And I, and I love how we're bringing this, that governance here is to facilitate. And they're the folks who, who understand there's all these different systems. Let's go bring in all these different SMEs. Who are the folks who really know what's going on? This is very distributed work that's, that's occurring. I, so what, what my first comment is, this seems to be some, what, what I consider call it like, like a, a center of excellence of governance, which is centralized that part, because you need to go pull in these people from different places, but that work is all these is, is distributed work because you need to get people from different areas to go talk to each other. And one thing that I really like to be very, very specific is these people who are facilitating, they need to know how to drive discussions. They need to know how to ask the right questions. Yeah. They need to know how to go resolve conflicts. They need to be documenting all this stuff, right? And, and, and being able to, to explain what's in it for you. Why should you spend time with me over here, even though you may think that this is not going to help you, but at the end, you need to be able to explain that. So th that's that center part. And then at the end, kind of at the bottom, the third yeah. tier here is this information architecture is like, 
let's go translate these models out there and let's make them basically executable in the sense like, okay, here is how we should actually be de generating this data to be able to go satisfy the governance that's being established. Well, so one clarification, the third okay. tier, well, I forgot to say that third tier, it happens for what subject you're talking about. What domain you're talking about, let's say for product hierarchy, or I'm talking about customer territories, you know, or I'm talking in some cases just about a specific attribute that's really key, right? And those kinds of data are typically what we know referred to as master data because those are the things that have enterprise impact and people need to agree on, right? So that third tier, you got different versions of them depending what is the data domain, the data, you know, the data subject that you're talking about, right? But yes, there you have the difference means from the local distributed teams, right? So uh, you got systems means, you have data, so people that play the role of data steward because, okay, let me fast forward, fast forward a little bit. Once we come to this, right, and we agree, and then we go build it, part of governance is how do we make sure that the integrity of the data, because quality and integrity has a lot to do with governance. That's one of the reasons why we're doing governance, but we're doing that because exactly, we want to make sure that we architect, we design things right, and they're not going to break and they're sustained. And, you know, our customers, our suppliers have a better experience without all of those things, right? We're setting a right foundation. So, um, um, what was I going to say? Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. But yeah, we have those communities and that's what we call them. The third tier, there's different names for it. Some people might call it like an enterprise data working group. I've heard of it being referred to us to as an enterprise data council. I've been referred to it in some circles as an operating steering committee, right? A data community. And you could have, and I like the term data community because it's simple and it's relatable. And you can have data communities that are analytics specific, that look at specific KPIs and, you know, how do we calculate this KPI for our company and where is all the data, how are we going to use it? Or you can have a data community around, let's say, the product, you know, domain. And within the product domain, you may be speaking about product hierarchy one day. You may be speaking about different characteristics that we need to know, absolutely must have about our product, you know, different things, be it a customer or employee, supplier, you know, whatever it is that we're talking about. I appreciate this clarification right here. I think the, this whole term of data community, I think that's an interesting one. Words matter. And I think, and, and, and yeah, we probably say the word governance and that kind of sounds boring and stuff, but I, I think it's, we need to start getting into kind of the more specifics that we're talking right now. And also I think thinking about it as a community here, I think that's all that this word of community makes a difference. And I think that that's important that we need to start thinking about it. It's, like, it's not, it's not just you, right? You live in a society with, th which is your part of your organization. Like you were in a community, like you want, we all are here together. Yes. Right. So yeah. I think, I think that's an important kind of a, a, a way of thinking about it. Or, or framing it's, it. And, it, and it's a lesson learned for me 10 years ago. Yeah. About 10 years ago, when the first time Irana was implementing this, I was actually at that, at that time referring to as a, a, a data an enterprise data council. But over the years, um, and I know this actual inspiration to my friend Monique Holstead, uh, the, the term data community. I like it. It's simple. And it goes back to what we're saying. Governance is about facilitating and getting people to engage for what in the end is going to give back dividends to 
all of them, right? Because who wants downstream to keep on fixing the same issues or we cannot get make sense out of our data sets? And I know there is this other tendency, right, guys, these days, right? And I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm saying that's... That, Okay, we're gonna get into some other things here, but with data engineering, right? We're, we're doing a lot of working with the data, we're cleansing it, we're curating it, okay, we're doing analytics. I sometimes, if that's the only way we go about it, I sometimes think of that as reactive data management because we're we're doing it there. I'm not saying that's not okay to do, but if we only stick with that, and we don't try to actually, we want business to keep on going, we wanna do that, but let's try and make progress here where we have less to do of that over time because, hey, we are coming together and we are creating this logical, you know, however you want to know, you know, is it an ontology, is it a like a relational type of model, whatever, however we show it, however we design it, right? But having that clarity of what is our data, what is our key data, what are the key things that we want to know, key data attributes, what are the relationships, um, and and how do we, what do we need to to uh, put effort into making sure that it's good integrity data so we don't have to keep on fixing it over and over. So one of the key things, obviously, with governance is, is not just around sort of creating more sort of resiliency around the data, having more reuse, having more visibility, you know, controls and safety and things like that. It's also especially around enablement. And I know a lot about what you're talking about here has a lot to do with that. And one of the key things that we're doing when we're trying to do enablement and trying to navigate this change is ultimately to create better data literacy and more data adoption, right, mm -hmm. um, to drive more value from the data. Um, wh what are you seeing are some of the things that folks uh, need to be doing or are doing to drive adoption, whether it's through governance or for, uh, through related things? Um, uh, and, you know, and, and, and what tools are they using? Are they, are they leveraging catalogs? Are they leveraging governance platforms? Are they, you know, self-service analytics? You know, what do you see driving this adoption? <clears throat> Sorry. Yes, definitely tools like that can help, right? Because it's almost as if we're using those types of tools to create like 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 a data intelligent hub that everybody can go to and get answers. What is this data? What does it mean? Who should I go talk to? Who is that trustee of the data? Or that's me of the data, you know, owner. Sometimes it's a little bit too harsh over 10 years ago. Yeah, okay, we're talking about owners, but we've learned over time, right? You can't have like a single owner for a whole data thing because you have so many things contributed, right? But who perhaps is that trustee or that subject matter expert that I should go talk to? So yeah, having a thing like, you know, something technology like a catalog, that's good. I think there's some other capabilities there though. It's about where do I go to get all of this intelligence? What does it mean? Who do I talk to? What does it need to look like when we're looking operationally now in our systems? What makes, we know what the data means, what does it need to look like, right? What does that integrity get some information? How do they help us also monitor some of the data quality, implement some of the data quality? The other thing too, tools that help that I know also both business and technical folks love is lineage, making, you know, how can we use automation or, you know, as much automation as possible. And I have not seen that being 100% done automated anywhere, but if I can get me 60% of the way there, 
I've done so much by hand and twin data flows. If I can get 60% of the way there, 80% of the way there using automation, that's great. But that end to end lineage and impact, that's important. These, these things help with adoption. But I think the other thing that we're underestimating under a data literacy um, work stream, if you think a data literacy umbrella, it's actually taking the time to to educate, to talk about these things. It's not just about go build, build, build. What does this mean? The why, the what, the when, the how, the what's in it in you, right? How do we communicate these things in simple terms, again, in a way that it makes sense to the audience that we're talking to at the time? Um, and, and, you know, so communication is key here. Uh, making it relatable is key here. Saying it in simple terms, it's extremely important. Taking the time to understand that as part of data literacy, I tend to think organizational change management is part of it. Because when you educate, you're trying to, if you look at the organization, not only raise awareness, but make it consistent. Because what's another thing that I think it's really important, I doubt we're ever gonna get to have the exact same terminology across the industry, but at least one of the things that I strive for is, within the group that I'm working with, you know, the organization, are we speaking the same language for things even like, what is data governance? How is that different from data management? How is that different from data information architecture? And I know these are just definitions, but that is important because then it cuts down on the time we're getting together to really work on how do I define this KPI? If, is this master data, is this not, right? So let's get those things, um, consistently understood from the group but to do that it takes that effort and it's and it's changing habits and changing thinking and light bulbs go off and that takes effort to raise the awareness even more effort for that to stick to change the habits to actually not only conceptually get it but in practice to adapt it to do it and it's not like anything that happens overnight right all these things they take they take time what I love that we're highlighting here is the need to realize that it's not just about technology. It is not. And, 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 and this is something that, that I, I, I'm not, I mean, we're not, we're, this is a non-salesy podcast, but let me just bring up for a second here, like data, well, we're a catalog and we just look at, there's so many catalog tools coming out and it, it just is this impression that we just need more tools, more technology is that what we need. And there's more tools and more vendors in this space. And I think we need to stop. We need to really stop thinking about just more techno, more tools. And then people are just throwing, there's more investors and throwing out, like, this is not going to help anything. We're just going to make a bigger pile of, of BS in this stuff, right? So we really need to start acknowledging this need of thinking about the people, thinking about the context, about talking to people. This is how you truly do a governance that is going to help drive business value. And, and it's stop thinking about just more technology. It is really so frustrating. I'm with you, Juan. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're saying this, right? It's not a silver bullet. I didn't coin the phrase, but I think it, it, it is not about technology. And okay, 27 years, I've been sitting in IT. I feel like for the past 50, 70 years, I've been in an enterprise architecture type of a role or anything around data and analytics, somewhere in the middle, right? I start with a business, 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 business context, business capabilities, business process, how are we using it? What purpose for, how is it gonna help us? 
And that's going to help us answer, should I even focus on this right now? That's the other thing, right? We need to prioritize. Then data, but I can't do data without understanding the business. Yes. Then what's the right solution for it? But it's so hard to do this. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why we're just jumping on, oh yeah, you're gonna solve everything. Bring me this technology, technology will solve everything. The other thing that works, I think, against this is that we don't always have the right people in the right roles to actually highlight it, communicate it in a way that the folks that could make a difference actually help focus on the right things and don't go under the false impression that I'll bring in that's technology with all the hype is happening a lot with AI these days and that's just going to solve everything. 10 years ago, it might have been data lake and that's going to solve everything. Yeah, okay. It didn't. I mean, we haven't learned a lesson yet. Yep. Nope. Exactly. What, what comes around goes around. So, all right. Uh, I, we could keep talking, right? Uh, but we got to go wrap it up. I know. This is just, I mean, 50 minutes already gone by. So, it's time to move to our our, our lightning round, which is uh, presented by Data.World, the world's only truly cloud-native data catalog. I'm going to kick it off here. First question. Should companies be hiring more information architects? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Hopefully everything we talked about is uh, enough of, uh, you know, the reason there, it brought enough clarity to resounding yes. Your business case is to take the transcription of this podcast and forward it to your boss. <laughs> Tim, you go. All he right, next it. question. He gets it. <laughs> you know. um, so you talked about this three-tier or three-layer governance model. Um, it, it, does that only apply to a certain size of company, like medium and large companies? I, You know, that's a good question. Um I think that's where it could make the most impact because if you're talking about 10, 20, 30 people, it's a lot easier, right? You don't need to even be that formal. Usually a person wears a lot of different hats. But yeah, a medium, a large size companies, I would say yes. Yes. All right. Next question. Are you optimistic that the data mesh conversation will result in better governance? Um <laughs> You I think that pause says it I'm all. So sure. I'm hoping it gets it highlights it, but hopefully, um, let's let's hope it does. Let's hope the conversation brings more understanding and clarity to, um, you know, best practices around how we're implementing data governance. It's not a guarantee, but it is an opportunity. It's not a, very well said. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> Thank you. All right, fourth lightning round question. Is governance something that we'll solve for, or is it always going to be a journey? I think it's always going to be a journey because a lot of it has to do with people, people habits, how we've been doing it, right? Um, no matter what we implement, you have the human factor in there. I think it's always going to be a journey because it takes a lot of time to, to get to that consistent understanding and new people come, people come and go from organizations. There's a whole lot of data. There's a whole lot of data problems and issues across organizations. It's definitely an ongoing journey. Great answer. All right. Well, it's a journey. That's for sure. All right. TTT, Tim, take it away with our takeaways. Oh my goodness, Dora. You, you gave us so much interesting conversation and insights today. 
Um, obviously, one of the key things that we talked about was data mesh and how that matters from a governance standpoint, how you govern the data mesh. Um, and one of the things that you mentioned about the data mesh is that in addition to those being uh, there being a lot of governance undercurrent in those four key pillars, right? Decentralized ownership, data as mm -hmm. product, infrastructure as platform, and then federated data governance, um, that actually these things are things we've seen before, right? Decentralized ownership, this, this idea of, you know, being able to leverage the different parts of the organization, that's a concept that's been around for a while. Um, you know, thinking about data as a product, whether we phrased it that way or not, you know, it reminds us of things like the semantic layer and around really taking a, an accountability approach to data. Um, you know, infrastructure, even though technology has changed, ultimately, we do want to get it in the hands of the right people, right? Whether it's mm -hmm. old generation BI or it's the new next generation augmented analytics tools. Um, so it's 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 interesting to really think that like, hey, data, data mesh is not this like magic new AI thing that nobody's ever imagined before. No, like we're taking good ideas, good principles and remixing them together in a way that's really smart, right? So I, I love that we're having that conversation and that you're kind of talking about that. Um, and then the second thing that I thought was a really great takeaway was around governance, right? The governance is really around engaging with the right stakeholders. It's around facilitation. It's not just about dictating and saying, hey, you have to do X, Y, and Z. It's more about an operating model of how different parts of the organization are working together to accomplish the right effective things around data that balance both the short term and the long term. So really great advice there and, and lots of uh, great specifics to support that. Thank you. I got I got two two main things. One is you, you made this distinction of data architecture versus information architecture, right? Data architecture focusing on the bits, but the information architecture, you're looking at the context and how am I using this? How is it going to be used out of scope? And, and, and I think this is a distinction that we need to start thinking about. Uh, I call this the data first towards a knowledge first uh, mm -hmm. uh, kind of paradigm shift. So I'm really glad that we're using different words, but we're, but at the end of the day, it's, 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 we're heading towards the same, the same thought, right? So, um, so that's number one. And second, it's what I always call this balance between efficiency and resilience. And, I, and your analogy is, am I building a ranch or a three-story home? Right. If I'm going to build a three-story home, I need to understand the foundation. If you're going to, if you know you're going to build a ranch, then it's a different foundation than it's a really third-story home, right? Uh, home, because if you finish your first story and then you're like, wait, I got to build now a second one and a third one. Well, then things are going to crumble or not, right? So, the issue is that today we focus so much on building and we don't sit down and we don't think about it. And and the excuse is, well, this is going to slow us down. But then you're going to do something fast. You're going to be efficient, but then you're not going to be resilient. You're going to end up doing all these workarounds. And, and I like how you said we have to we have to communication is key. We got to talk about the what and the why and what's in it for you. And I think this is yeah. part of being of that communication and governance as being the stake as, as being a facilitator and being able to understand those have those properties of the people who do that of how to, how to facilitate, how to drive conversations, how to ask the right questions, how to resolve conflicts. And I like to I like to call this the you want to have intellectual friction. Mm -hmm. People go kind of figure that mm -hmm. out, kind of let them, let them have that energy, but I need to figure out how to go facilitate that and, and, and document that and, and, and not just have people go fight, quote unquote, fight in room, but actually let's go take this to the next level, make sure that we're all going to win with this intellectual friction that's occurring right here. So, uh, so much uh, awesome takeaways here. And I want to throw it back to you now, Dora. Two questions. Okay. One, what's your advice? And second, about 
data, about governance, about life, whatever. And second, who should we invite next? Okay, what's my advice? Um, I think my biggest advice, we've already touched about it. I don't think that technology is the answer to it all. It starts with people in my mind, then you know, process and data and technology. My other big piece of advice is don't forget to put that not only on business context, but on business context end to end. Don't only think about what you're doing right now. Think about the impact of what you build two, three steps down the process flow. Because we constantly forget this. We have the tendency to forget this. Uh, who should you invite next? I, I would suggest invite over um, Anthony Altman. He's actually written the, the book on data leadership. Um, and I think he can help highlight and reinforce some of these and some other ideas as well. Because I think, like you said, Juan, we need to, and Tim, right, we need to, I think, just drive a little bit more of that understanding that it's not about just go and build, but think about these things and how important the communication, the leadership, because a lot of these things that we're talking about with communication, facilitation, connecting the dots, helping people, how you go about that, having the right people in the right roles, all of that is around leadership. And you can apply it to data, you can apply it to just writing, you know, building a not data product, and you can apply it to managing a business and think all of that, it's really foundational aspects of leadership. And here all the book on data leadership, so Anthony Altman. I, that's a great suggestion. I, you know, I don't think Juan that we've directly talked about data leadership on this role. Obviously, we've talked or on this podcast, we've talked about the importance of getting leadership buy-in and things like that. But that could be a really, really interesting topic. Yep. Thanks for that suggestion. And and uh, I I I've, I followed uh, Anthony Elgman. I know he has his own podcast, so probably we need to switch. We, we need to go trade places here. <laughs> All right, Anthony, if you're listening to us, or we'll make sure you hear this. Uh, you'll get an email from us soon. We want you on our podcast. So Dora, thank you so much. So many uh, brilliant takeaways here. And I really look forward to meeting you finally in person at Enterprise Me Data too. World, San Diego. I think that is, uh, what is it? I think it's March. End of March. March. Like Third week of March. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then, oh, next week, we're actually keeping this conversation going with uh, data governance with Laura Madsen, who's, she's the author of this disrupting data governance okay. so we're going to keep this uh conversation going dora thank you so much and thank you to data.world for supporting catalog and cocktails we appreciate have the rest a great rest of your day i appreciate you guys thank you so much for having me on a lot of fun today cheers to you thank you cheers, cheers Dora. this is catalog and cocktails a special thanks to data.world for supporting the show, Carly Berghoff for producing, John Loyans and Brian Jacob for the show music, and thank you to the entire Cataloging Cocktails fan base.